Are you all ready to join me today in our trip to outer space? Come along quietly or not. I will talk to you of art. For there is nothing else. Some artists make a Look, Alice, you might as well get this into your head. A fishing trip is just like a Turkish bath. It's for men only. I catch the fish, you cook the fish. The only time we're together is when we eat the fish. So it's final, it's settled, and it's over and done with. You are not going on a fishing trip. Hi, Alice. Sorry, I was late, honey. I had some shopping to do, but I'll have your supper ready for you in a minute. Uh, Alice. Yes? I want to tell you something. Well? I'll tell you later. Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Planet Shivers podcast. I am and always will be Albert Shivers, and I'm excited for today's episode. I really am. On the episode today, I have racing driver Amber Balkin, who is soaring her way up the NASCAR ladder and has a big announcement in this episode about her future plans in racing. This whole month on the podcast has been racing, and I'm excited about that for one. Um, if you recall, about two weeks ago, I had on Hillier and Laura Dameron, husband and wife racing drivers. That was a fantastic episode, one of my favorites, and this is bound to be another one, in all honesty. We also had the 24 Hours of Daytona race this month in February, and we had the Daytona 500, which was a crazy race. So, on the topic of racing, I want to talk to you guys, before we get to Amber, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about how I found racing. And this is what made me think of it, is this past Sunday was the Daytona 500. I had a couple of friends over to watch the race, including someone I had known for a while, on and off, who is a new NASCAR fan. And interestingly enough, they got into NASCAR because it was the first sport back during the pandemic. They were were used to watching sports. There was no football, no basketball, not even golf. And NASCAR was the only major sport that was still up and running or, or was the first to come back and maintain it. They didn't have to go back and forth. They didn't have to cancel things. Once they came back, it was done. Excuse me. So it sort of reminded me of when I first started watching. It kind of brought me back to what it was like for me when I first started to watch. As I answered my friends' questions about racing and all these things, it brought me back. So I grew up as you may know already, on Staten Island, sandwiched in between a bad neighborhood and a bunch of bikers. With that said, growing up in New York City, there nobody talked about NASCAR. You know, it was a, obviously a big sports town. Yankees, Mets, Jets, Giants, the basketball teams. I can't think of them right now. 
So there was a lot of sports, but nobody was talking about NASCAR. Even when I got into it, which was at NASCAR's peak, it was still widely considered a very southern redneck sport. And at the time, I was like 12, 13 years old. I was looking for something that could be mine. I was seeking out something to spend my time with that specifically nobody else was into. Um, I liked cars. And what sparked the whole thing was in 2013, my mother and her boyfriend took me to Nassau Coliseum with my buddy Patrick to see Monster Jam. Monster Jam is a touring series of monster trucks who race and they smash cars and they had ATV races. It was a lot of fun. And that sort of planted the seed for cars. Now at that time, monster trucks were not on television. This is 2003. If I said 13, forgive me. I meant 2003. Um, This was in 2003. And monster trucks, they weren't on TV yet. They weren't as popular. Gravedigger, if you're If anybody's listening who might have watched the Monster Truck Show, Grave Digger was one of the biggies. He was my favorite. And then this evolved into me getting more into cars, and then boom, here I am, NASCAR. The first NASCAR race I watched was the 2003 Watkins Glen race. And I didn't know who anybody was. I didn't, I knew nothing I believe Robbie Gordon won that race. And I Watkins Glen is still one of my favorite tracks. And I think that's the reason. But as I began to watch racing more and more, nobody really watched it with me. And at that time, that's what I wanted. I wanted a thing to be mine and mine alone. And the fact that nobody else around me really watched it. You know, I had a couple of friends in school Shout out to Dasoon from Curtis High School. I had a couple of friends from school who were into cars, but they were more into sports cars and drifting and that sort of thing. Street racing. Nobody was into NASCAR. So I was on my own little island and I loved it. I loved the island that I was on. So it really got more and more personal. And one of the things I like about racing is that it's the same it's the same guys every week, okay? Whereas with football, yeah, you get used to your guys on your team, but the opponents are always different. In racing, and it doesn't just have to be NASCAR. This could be IndyCar, Formula One, IMSA, whatever you want to pick. It's the same drivers every week, the same men and women that you get used to and you grow to dislike certain ones, you grow to like certain ones, and that attracted me all the more. You got into the personalities of these drivers, and that's what's held my interest in racing up to this point. When I first started out, my favorite driver was Bobby Labonte. There was a friend of my mother's who worked for Interstate Batteries, so I had the Bobby Labonte merch 
zooming in. I had tins, I had posters, I had calendars, I had little die casts. So my whole room was green, red, and black. And I went on to have a go-kart that I painted the same as Bobby the Bonte's car at the time. It was a rough time to be a Bobby the Bonte fan though because he was on his way down. He was going to leave the 18 car and move to the Richard Petty's car, which is awesome, but the Petty car wasn't the best. I'm getting off track here, but my interest in NASCAR came to be and was strengthened by the fact that it got more and more personal as I went. I was the only one into it in my area, the only one into it in school, and it felt like mine. The first actual race I went to was in 2004. My father took me to Pocono Raceway. It was fantastic. That was the year, if there are any NASCAR fans listening, that was the year that Dale Earnhardt Jr. got burnt in the touring car accident and needed Martin Truex Jr. to be his relief driver. And we happened to be sitting right across from Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s pit, which was very interesting. And I just, I got distracted. The the Jewish mafia is walking around my neighborhood right now. And I hope they don't know where I live. Anyway, um, I seen, you know, Truex and Junior do the driver swap. And it was phenomenal. Um, and it was really, it really grew on me. Because it felt like mine. And here I am, I'm still watching it. Um, there was a time when I didn't tell people. That I watched racing and I forgot how under wraps I kept it because I didn't want the stigma of the sport to land on me. Be it redneck or the completely ridiculous notion that it's all racist. So the other day um, was my birthday on the 16th. A friend of mine from New York calls me up and I've been friends with her for a while. Um... Irma, we, we did a bunch of movies together. I helped her out with her fashion thing. You know, we've done some photography shoots together. She runs a fashion line, Main Couture. Go check that out on Facebook or Instagram. Help her out. The pandemic really, you know, it, it hits hit everybody hard, but it hit her hard. Go check out her fashion stuff. She makes amazing outfits and amazing skirts. But we were on the phone the other day. And um, we were talking about the podcast. She was asking me how things are going. And I brought up to her the last episode with Hillier and Laura Dameron and racing drivers and the whole thing. And she asked me you know, why I had them on. And I said, well, you know, I wanted a racing driver on and da, 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 da. And she said, oh, I didn't know you were into racing. And that's my fault, okay? When I started to pursue art and film and get out into the world, I didn't want people to judge me for liking NASCAR and liking racing. I really had a complex about it to the point where I didn't lie to nobody, but I didn't tell anybody either. If it came up, I would say, yeah, I like it, but I wouldn't volunteer the information because I didn't want a stigma attached to me that a person outside the sport would attach to the sport itself. 
but it just reminded me of how nervous I was. Now I don't care. Now I'm I'm out there. As I'm an open book now. I'm like George Washington. I don't tell no lies. But at the time I was not, I was just nervous about it. I wasn't ashamed, but I was nervous. And as time went on, I began to come out to friends. You know, like it was some big thing. I would come out of the closet as a NASCAR fan. And you know what happened? Nothing happened. Nothing happened. My friends stayed my friends. Every once in a while, we'd crack a joke or two. And I'm cool with that. But nothing happened. I spent many, many years worried for nothing. For absolutely no reason. I was worried that people weren't going to like me or think of me differently or put me in a box because I watched NASCAR racing and was really into it. And it was completely illogical. And when I finally was like, hey, I'm into this world. You don't like it? Screw you. Nothing happened. Nobody cared. Nobody thought any different of me. As a matter of fact, they knew a little bit more about me. And I was able to be more open. I was able to be more myself. So my whole lesson here is for me to just tell you, and who who am I to say? Who Why should you listen to me? But just be yourself. Be into what you're into. You'll be happier. And the real friends in your life, the real people aren't going to care what you're into. They're going to like you for you. And embrace the parts of you. Every one of my friends are weird, crazy artists if they're not musicians. Okay? Musicians and artists who are all far out there. Nobody was into racing. But I've gotten a few friends to come around. I'm not looking to drag people into the sport to be as big into it as I am. But because they're my friends, they gave it a chance. And I give their things a chance. That's what friends are do for one another. You give each other a chance. It was the furthest out thing for me to say, yeah, I'm really into this this sport. So I had, I at the time, I had legitimate reasons, I felt, to be worried about it. But in the end, it didn't matter. It didn't matter at all. And if you were going to judge me for it and you were going to give me crap for it, guess what? You weren't a real friend to begin with, Okay. That's enough of that. Before we get to Amber, I just want to give you guys a quick art update on me. February 27th and the 28th, I will be involved in the Black Culture Art Show at the Create and Be Art Studio in Stroudsburg, PA. Go to their website, cbartculture.com. You can get all the information on the show. Due to Corona, they have time slots. This is a ticketed show. You got to buy a ticket. It's not that expensive. The money goes right back in to support the gallery. And it should be a good show. Two days, Saturday, Sunday, February 27th and 28th. You can go check it out. My work will be there along with some artists who have been on the podcast. Heather Lee, she was on a couple of months ago. Her fantastic art's going to be there. Courtney Nat and Sylvia, they run the gallery. They've both been on the podcast before. Courtney is an amazing painter. 
Sylvia is an amazing photographer, and after the art show, they're going to have art classes. They're going to have an artist come in. I don't know if it's a paint and sip kind of deal. You paint, you get a little tipsy. I'm not exactly sure what the deal is, but they're going to do that after the show. So if you're into the art, you can get a little art lesson. You could paint a pear or a tree or a sunset or something. So with that said, let's get to the show. Again, my guest today is racing driver Amber Balkan. She is tremendously talented. She's run on both dirt and asphalt, and she is kicking ass as she climbs the NASCAR ladder. She's got a big announcement that's coming up in this episode of the podcast. I really hope you enjoy my conversation with Amber. It was really fun to talk to her. I've been a fan of hers for a while. I've been rooting for her for a while. And I think she's a fantastic talent who is working really hard to get in there. Um, It's gotten a little bit easier, not much, but a little bit easier for women to get behind the wheel of these race cars and be taken seriously and to get money and sponsor backing behind them. Names like Haley Deegan, Julia Landauer, we had Danica Patrick a couple of years ago in Indy and then in NASCAR. Um, There's a ton of gals coming up the ranks. And one of my goals in my life, I'd like to see a female driver make it and be competitive in one of the top three levels of NASCAR. I'd really like to see that. I don't need championships. I don't need another Dylan Hart Jr. I don't need superstardom. But I'd like to see a woman or two make it into these races and be consistently competitive. Because once you put that helmet on and get behind that wheel, everybody's equal. That's the unique thing about this sport is men and women compete together. There's no there well there's the W series in England, but that's a whole other thing. For the most part, with the exception of that, men and women race together. And that's very unique. No other sport does that. No other sport can really do that. But racing. Because once you put that helmet on and you get behind that wheel, you're all equal. It's up to your ability, your intelligence, and the car that's underneath you. So on that note, Art Show next weekend, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Amber Balkan, and I'll talk to you on the other side. Driving a race car is my way of making a living. My way of putting the bread on a table at home. I'm getting back about half as much as I'm given. Thank you for doing the show. Thank you for having me. No, it's 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 great to have you here. So I guess let's we'll just jump right into it. You grew up in Winnipeg, Canada and began running on the dirt up there. Can you talk about your beginnings and how you got interested in running races? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in a racing family. My dad actually still races to this day. He races dirt late models. Um, My mom grew up in a racing family. Her father raced dirt sprint cars. Her brother raced dirt sprint cars. My cousins all race as well. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it was 
grew up in the family. Uh, my parents met at the racetrack. My mom had me. I was being bathed in our motorhome at two weeks old at the racetrack. So um, it's really all I've known. And even when I was young, I knew I wanted to race. And after years and years of begging my dad, finally at 10 years old, he said, all right, you want to race? You, uh, We can get you into go-karts, but you have to work on the go-kart yourself. And you have to raise sponsorship mm-hmm. to to buy the go-kart too. So for the last 18 years, I've been raising my own sponsorship dollars. And you know, when I was in dirt, I worked on the cars. Now with NASCAR, it's a little different. They, they We have crews that do all that for us, um, but still a lot of work on the business side. Understood. So starting out at the age of 10, did you find even at that young age that there was a little bit of backlash or anything like that being a female driver? little bit but I honestly was just focused on getting to race for me just getting to race was really exciting and I just wanted to be the best I could be you know my cousins were all very winning drivers and I wanted to be just as good as them and win as much as them and so for me it was just a matter of getting to race and then winning races and thankfully I did that in go-karts I um, actually grew up racing in Grand Forks, North Dakota, because that was the closest go-kart dirt track to Winnipeg. Um, There's not a lot of oval dirt. Racing isn't very popular in Canada, especially dirt track oval racing. So I actually would drive two and a half hours every Wednesday. Um, My dad would take me out of school a little early, and we would go to Grand Forks in a pickup truck, put the go-kart in the back, and uh, race there. And then from go-karts to transition transitioned into mini sprints where I did race locally in Winnipeg and then uh, through North Dakota, Minnesota as well, then 410 sprint cars and then transitioned uh, over to the pavement world. Yes. How was that a difficult transition from dirt to pavement? Yeah, it was a lot more difficult than I thought. Uh, you know, we're going, I went from a very lightweight car, open wheels, to a big heavy stock car. Um, and, you know, certain drivers like Tony Stewart, Kyle Larson, they make it look so easy, that transition. Mm-hmm. But it really is very different. Uh, the racing surface, obviously, is quite different as well. So I think. With the pavement racing, it's a lot more technical. You have to be so perfect and so precise, hitting your marks, identical every single lap, a um, little bit more strategy involved, where with dirt, is kind of, you know, you ride by the seat of your pants. But uh, there's things I enjoy about both of them. But I think with anything, the more seat time, the more you do it, the better you get at it. Right. Now, coming from the point of view as an independent driver, I know there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes that isn't always behind the wheel. Can you go into what goes into getting yourself in these rides and getting into these opportunities? Absolutely. So I kind of am in a unique position or I'm one of the the rarities where most people in racing at uh, the beginning levels are funded by their parents or uncles or grandparents, someone that has wealth or or any type of financial backing where Mm -hmm. that wasn't the case for me. Even from the go-kart level, mini sprint level, sprint car level, I had to raise my own sponsorship. Now at the NASCAR levels, I'm having to raise hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars to race. So this means not just being a race car driver, but being a businesswoman and figuring out how I can connect with these companies, prove that I can, you know, get them a return on their investment figuring out what they need in their company, um, either marketing-wise, exposure-wise, uh, sales-wise, and integrating my racing 
through their marketing um, initiatives. So I've really become kind of a problem solver, a marketing manager, just as much as I have been a race car driver. And I spend 99% of my time looking for these sponsors to raise the, the money to race. And, you know, really only get to race about 1% of the time. Yeah. So with such a small on-track time, what do you do? You know, um, a lot of people have become familiar with iRacing, especially mm -hmm. this past year. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so how much do you utilize things like that and to get experience in the car almost without being in the car? Yeah, so um, to be honest, most of the last year, a couple of years, I've spent like 99% of my time just finding sponsors. Right. And because I wasn't always certain which which series I was going to race, which team I'd race for, if I was racing on dirt or pavement. So to practice without knowing what I was racing, I was like, I don't, I don't really know if that's super advantageous. So now that I finally have a new sponsor and I'm racing full time this year, I have been on my simulator and, and I'll be on that um, pretty much every day for at least an hour a day. I try to do a hundred laps or at least an hour just to kind of help get back into the swing of things. I haven't been in a pavement car in, you know, since 2019 mm -hmm. and even then was only in a pavement car a few times. So um, I definitely have, a lot of work to do on the simulator until my first race and but then luckily I have a full season ahead of me so I uh, just got to keep learning every race and luckily I'll have a lot of seat time so just uh, building on that momentum. Gotcha, gotcha. So let's transition. So on the track um, every driver has to worry about getting into incidents and getting into wrecks. How do you personally, um, I know you've been through some incidents how do you bounce back? How, what gets you back in that car to the person who's outside of this world of racing? So race or wrecking and racing is inevitable. It's not a matter of if, but when, you know, we, crashing is a part of the sport, whether it's flipping or just hitting the wall, it, it's inevitable. So I really don't think about it that much. It's kind of at the back of our job, hitting our marks, getting the guy in front of us, keeping the guys behind us. So as far as, wrecking that's not really at the forefront of our mind when it does happen you know it's it's just it's part of it we do what we can do to heal and and be prepared and rehab for for when it comes time to get back in the car you know the this past year i had the worst crash that i've ever had in my racing career and it took me two and a half months to recover i was in the hospital for three days um it was a very scary one but again my my love and my passion for the sport kind of conquers all that so uh once i got back out on the track, you know, the fear kind of went away and um, you remember why you love doing it. Yeah. Off track, away from the car. Um, you do a lot of inspirational writings and talks. Um, you're very motivational. How, how does that work into your racing and, and what makes you reach out like that? The reason I share all that is because I've had to overcome so much adversity through my racing journey. I've had to overcome so many obstacles. I've went through mental health issues, being depressed from racing. Racing has helped bring me confidence, but it's also broken my heart. And um, having to be self-made and have done this all on my own and, and not be funded by my parents, I've learned so much and I've had to figure out so much on the business side in a personal development way. And then just as an athlete, going through the ups and downs of sports, uh, I've learned so much and I've had to be extremely persistent in, in my goals. And 
um, my self-development journey and, and motivation and inspiration, I guess, comes from that. And basically, I just want to be that person that other people can go to and say, you know, if Amber can do this, I can do this too. And all the mistakes I've made and the lessons I've learned and the failures I've had, I want to be able to use that and help others so that they don't have to go through what I went through. And, and um, that's just what I'm passionate about. I'm a very emotional and sensitive person and, and, and passionate person. And so if I can utilize my lessons to help others, then I think I need to do that. And, and frankly, I feel I have a responsibility to do that. And uh, I, I'm very lucky to have racing as a platform that I do in the social media um, platform that I do to, to share my experiences and help try to raise others up and, you know, show them that there's a lot of potential in us all and we should all try to fulfill that potential. Right. I totally understand that. One thing you had said that, um, that I really like um, you posted every once in a while is that, you know, that overnight sensation and how long that actually takes. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure that applies to racing as it does to anything else. Yeah, absolutely. And I really think, you know, the bigger the goal or the, the harder the um, goal, the longer it's going to take. And that's pretty obvious for me. You know, I'm 28 years old. I'm, I'm not really considered young in the sports, which, which is crazy because 28 isn't that old, right. <laughs> but yeah. um, it's, it's still considered maybe a little bit older in sport when you see, you know, these 18 and 19 year olds coming into like the truck series. Mm -hmm. So, um, but for me, it's just, it, the age thing doesn't matter anymore because as long as I'm going to achieve my goal, I can achieve my goal. And, and I realize that what I'm trying to do is really difficult and, but it doesn't mean I can't get there. I just have to keep working and working and working. And it might take a little bit longer than someone who does get into the sport right away because their family is able to financially get them there. Um, but I like to think that all the skills that I've learned and developed through these years are, are only going to help me at the end. You know, sometimes if you receive a bunch of success right away, then you don't necessarily know how to keep it or build upon it where when you're grinding and working, grinding and working and learning all the skills and learning all the lessons and, and learning how to be resourceful and figure things out on your own. Um, I think it better, it builds for a better solid foundation overall. So you can build, just keep building on that. Um, you know, it's not an overnight success. It's, it's taken me longer to get where I need to go, but I think it will help me last longer in the sport as well. If that makes sense. I don't know if I explained that right. <laughs> it does make sense. Um, now you teased it a little bit before, but you have a new announcement um, about your future this coming year in racing. Mm -hmm. let's, let's hear about it. Yeah, so I was finally able to secure a new, brand new primary sponsor. So they will be on board for all 40 of my races. Uh, it'll be announcing this week that we there's a brand new NASCAR development program called Bill McAnally's Drivers Academy. Mm -hmm. So I will be part of that NASCAR development program, racing an ARCA car in this series for 40 races with Bill McAnally. And then also um, this gives us the opportunity to get some ARCA West races as well. So um, hope to be doing a little bit of ARCA races as well as the, this NASCAR development program, the BMR Drivers Academy. Um, but yeah, I have a new primary sponsor that's helped backing me for this. Uh, I have a, a sponsor that has been with me for five years that was here, here with me again, Glenn McLeod and Sons. My new sponsor is Icon Direct. They are an RV su part supplier out of my home province of Manitoba. 
which is really cool. So I have two sponsors, both from Canada, mm-hmm. both backing me. Um, I'll be racing out in California for Bell McAnally. So I'm very, very excited to be racing full time again this year. Great. No, that's great news. Congratulations on that. That's really cool. Um, so my last question in closing is a um, very simple one, which is that, you know, when, what is it about racing that makes you keep coming back like, to put in all this work? What is it about to mm-hmm. you personally that makes you do it? There's a couple aspects of it that has, you know, made me never want to give up. And the first one is I really believe in my potential as a driver and I love racing cars. I love being behind the wheel. I love racing the feeling you get, um, the adrenaline, the excitement. And when you put on that helmet, you're not thinking about anything else. You're not thinking about what problems you might have at work or relationships or anything like that. All you're focused on is driving that car, hitting your marks, trying to win that race and that is just the best feeling in the world. It's, it's, it's such an escape from reality that I've never experienced on any other part of my life. And I'm addicted to that feeling for sure. And then the other side of it is just wanting to be successful in the sport to show others that you don't need to come from money. You don't need to have all the resources. You don't need to have all the tools in the toolbox to be successful. If you're willing to put in the work, be dedicated to your dreams, create good habits, be disciplined and be persistent at it and just keep putting one step for one uh, foot forward in front of the other, then, then you can achieve your dreams and anything is possible. And I just want to be that example for people. Great. I'm sure you also find that there's a lot of young girls who are looking to get into racing that I'm sure look up to you. Yeah. You know, that that's another big thing too, is I want to be that positive role model for other girls. And I feel that I'm responsible to, you know, uphold a good image for them and be a good example and lead by example and be a leader and, and say that this is hopefully the good way to, to go about this. And not only that, but help give back to them and help them uh, raise up the ranks as well. You know, I'm part of a group called Shift Up Now, and we're there for um, not only females, but any drivers who want to get into racing or who may be just getting into racing and need to learn a little bit more of where to go or how to find more sponsors or what series to go in. So uh, we're that resource and that point of contact for anyone who needs to learn more um, about racing. So any way that I can help give back and help people to make it a little bit easier for them than it was for me, then that excites me too. Great. And where can people find you online and social media? They can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, uh, Facebook at Amber Balkinten. Okay, great. Well, Amber, congratulations on your announcement for this year. I wish you a ton of luck on the track, and um, I'll definitely be pulling for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on, and thank you for buying my merchandise. I really appreciate that. No, you're welcome. (laughs) I'll rep you when I can. I appreciate it. We'll have some really cool new shirts out this year, so you'll have to check that out. Awesome. I will. I'll steer people in that direction. Sounds good. Thank you. Well, how about that? Amber Balkin, racing driver. It was fantastic to have her on the show. I'm so thankful that she gave some time to be on. It was a great, insightful conversation we had. And don't forget, you could find this episode and a whole lot more on all major podcast platforms and YouTube. February 27th, 28th, Black Culture Art Show, Creighton B Art Studio. And don't forget, you can follow 
Amber in the ARCA series this season on Fox. They televise a lot of the races, so you can follow Amber. You could also find her on Instagram at AmberBalcon10, as well as on Facebook and on TikTok, all under the same username. Go support her. And you can find out what I'm up to on Instagram at Albert Shivers and on the YouTube channel simply titled Albert Shivers. It's all very easy for you. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and your weekend. Take care of yourself and take care of somebody else. <laughs>